Jonah Lamu Rugby Challenge is now available for pre-order at GameStop and the store at GameShark.com. Order now and get a free t-shirt with pre-orders. Games Radar says the game looks fantastic and plays smoothly. A long time coming and worth the wait. Get your copy today and get the game hailed by Gamer Fusion as a great experience. Jonah Lamu Rugby Challenge offers an unrivaled Xbox 360 rugby experience. Featuring 93 teams and 31 stadiums, online leaderboards, in-game Dolby Digital, and multiplayer voice chat. Buy now and be among the first to play this acclaimed game and get a free rugby t-shirt. Check out GameStop, GameShark.com, and check out the ad on our main page at RugbyMag.com for more. This is Rugga Matrix America. Welcome, everybody, to the show. This is Alex Goff, editor-in-chief of RugbyMag.com, along with Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean and a special guest. And, guys, uh, we're actually we're, we're very excited about this show because uh, it's something we've been working on for a while. Yeah, we're really excited to have our, our next guest, Todd Bell, on the show. And I do apologize to anybody for... I have internet problems in my office, and I am on a landline, so there's a bit of commotion behind me. I try to mute when I'm not speaking, but uh, this is going to be an extremely exciting day, especially for our man, Pat Clifton. Well, yeah, I uh, do have a special affinity for the college game, uh, as pretty much everybody knows. Um, so it's nice. To, it's going to be nice to talk to Todd and, and kind of get some information on him, because it's been a minute since we talked to him. and. And uh, chat about all the different issues that uh, you know are going on in college rugby. Um, obviously, sevens is one of them, but uh, trying to rehash some of the other stuff and talk about the upcoming D1A season as well. Well, we are very pleased to welcome USA Rugby's director of collegiate rugby, Todd Bell, to Rugby Matrix America. Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Well, Todd, it's uh, it's been kind of a well, a very exciting year, year and a half for college rugby. A lot of things changing, structures changing, competitions changing, things like that. And and we're running right into the Collegiate Sevens Championship, brand new championship. And and how is that shaping up? We've got we've got about a week to go. Well, we're yeah, it's kind of hard to believe it's almost here. I mean, we'll be, you know, our staff will be heading to College Station really a week from today to get ready to go and. Uh, you know, it's kind of an exciting time whenever you launch something, uh, you know, kick off a new event for the first time. You just, you've got a lot of anticipation of how things are going to go. But, you know, it, this is something that we felt we needed we needed to launch, you know, as a governing body responsible for selecting our national teams to compete either on the IRB circuit or obviously the Olympics coming up. Uh, you know, we it's part of our responsibility to provide you know, competition development and evaluation opportunities for seventh athletes. And, given that college rugby is such a critical part of our development pathway, you know, having this championship going forward is going to be an important step along that, along that pathway. Todd, given that, that the, um, that it, you know, and I know, I know expediency was, was an issue and, and not only expediency, wanting to get it done in the calendar year of 2011 and then, and then needing to, but also needing time to allow the competition to mature and develop to be able to get teams there. Is there anything that you're looking at possibly next year doing differently, perhaps having it, um, scheduling it a week or two before Thanksgiving so that it, it just kind of fits into a, a fall scenario? Or are, you gonna, are you guys going to really try to see how this goes and evaluate it after this? 
Well, I, I think I mean I think you guys know this too. I mean, anytime you do any kind of event, you've got to evaluate it. I mean, you've got to self scout what you've done, and which is exactly what we're going to do. You know, when we get done with this, we'll look at what you know how the event went, what we need to tweak, what worked, what didn't work. Um, you know, how can we get better? Because you always want to try and improve no matter what you do. So I mean, we'll we'll look at everything from the date to obviously the location to the you know the, the scope of the event, that type of thing. I mean, it, I don't. We've already had internal discussions on you know what the proper date is. I mean, part of part of why we wound up where we did is we wanted to make sure we were able to accommodate the fall 15s teams as much as possible as well. But I mean, we'll look at all aspects of this thing, including including the date, um, where it falls next year. Um, you know, I can't really say at this point. We just kind of want to get through the event and, and see what we've got and you know look at what we can what we can do differently or what we can tweak. Because again, you always want to try and get better no matter what you're doing. Um, and you know we're gonna we want to run a good event this year. We want to run a bet, an event that'll be even better next year. Todd, um, some of the um, looking forward to next year. I've got a couple two-headed question here, so I'll follow up after this one. But the first one is, what about the D two schools? I mean, some of them played obviously in the Division one, yeah. in some of these qualifying tournaments. But a lot of these were Division one conferences, and and that's what the tournaments were based off of. Is there going to be a Division two tournament, or is this going to be? Uh, if you're a college team, you can play in it. And, and how do we expand so some of the more yeah. Division two schools and Division three schools can get involved? Well, I mean that'll be part of part of our discussions with, with both the within both the men's and women's competitions committees. You know, how do we you know, how do we make sure there's enough access for everybody? Um, you know, whether or not it's one tournament uh, or if it's you know multiple tournaments, you know, one for each division is something we'll have to look at. Um, but you know, right now I can't answer that question. But that's that's obviously something we're going to have to look at because you know, we want to make sure that uh, we've got enough access for everybody. And then the second question I have for you, and this kind of parlays off of what we're discussing. I mean, obviously the timing um, wasn't ideal this year, and it kind of prevented some teams from playing in it. But I think that that's part of a larger question of the the whole seasonality debate that seems to be happening and has happened for a long time. How important is it for you, or is it even on your agenda? for you to help kind of set a guideline of we're going to do fall. You know, a lot of people would like to see fall seven, mm-hmm. spring 15s. Some wouldn't like to see fall 15s go away, but I'm sure that this is something you're, you're wrestling with and you're hearing from coaches. How do you approach yeah. it? And what's your, you know, what's your take well, on it? You know, it, it well, I get, first thing I would say is that I, one of the things I learned pretty quick when, when I, when I started here is that the seasonality is pretty much the third rail of college rugby. You know, it's tough to have a, a discussion on this because you know again when you're when you're when you're competing in essentially a club environment um you have you're kind of at the mercy of the weather because you don't have direct control of your facilities so you know i guess the short answer to your question is i don't know if there is a correct season for sevens and fifteens and actually i don't know if it's possible simply because of for all the issues that, that the the northeast and midwest schools have playing in the spring the rest of the country has you know certain parts of the other certain segments of other parts of the country have issues with playing in the fall so you know we just have to try and find windows that fit for both competitions and as long as our you know right now we've got our our 15th championships in the spring which gives everybody the opportunity to determine which which part of the year they want to hold their 15th competition and that means we've got to try and work sevens in there somewhere um that is a you know, that is a question, I guess, you know, that I'm not sure there is a correct answer to, you know, as far as the seasonality part of this, because, uh, you know, again, we're working in a club environment right now. 
the NCAA, the the emerging sports drive, the women's game, and getting it in the NCAA, is that something that I mean, are we going to have to define a season for them if they're going to be able to well, become an? NCAA? We, you know, in our discussions with the NCAA, I mean, basically what it comes down to is we'll obviously make some recommendations to them, um, but. The, the the other component of that is at the end of the day, it's gonna, the NCAA is going to determine you know when they're going to hold their championship and what their what their window is going to look like. And the and the other thing to keep in mind is, once you become a varsity sport, um, it you know your your field availability field availability issues pretty much go away. You know you you see lacrosse teams in New England that are playing home matches in March. You know that wouldn't happen with rugby, for the most part in New England. But if you're a varsity lacrosse team and lacrosse is a spring season, if you have to play in March, you're playing in March. Um, it's just, it, it, you know, that's what happens when you move from a club environment to an NCAA environment. You know, you're going to have your own facility. You're not sharing it with somebody more than likely. And the athletic department's going to make sure that your field's ready to go. So while it's not ideal to be playing baseball at Dartmouth in March, they have to do it because that's the baseball season. You know, um, and if you know, if and when rugby becomes a varsity sport, um, you know, some of those weather issues are mitigated simply because you're 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 competing in a different environment than you are at the club level when it comes to facility availability, facility prep, uh, budget for travel, that type of thing. Obviously, we'll have a lot of input um, in these discussions with the NCA. We're already have, we're already discussing the uh, tweaks to the. A lot of people don't realize this. There's already rugby legislation on the books in the NCAA manual, and we're talking to them about ways that that can, you know those bylaws can be approved or tweaked, and that's something that they asked us to do. Um, so obviously, we'll we'll make a recommendation on seasonality, but at the end of the day, you know they'll determine when their championships are going to be held. Playing baseball in the spring in New England is a very, very cold and yeah, lonely, lonely proposition. And I can tell you, it's I, I played at spring. I played baseball in the Midwest. It's the same way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but the the thing that you've run into, Todd, uh, and spreading this out over to the the game as mm -hmm. a whole is, is there have been a lot of changes now. We, we the, oh, yeah. the changes yeah. towards sevens, the changes toward the the D one double A conference schedule the the D1A the premier division and also and and division 2 having to adjust to that so do you do you do you think that people are now well not conditioned but they're they're uh, comfortable enough with the idea of some drastic change that if you you turned around and you said to women's college you're now playing in this time frame and this is your season because you're now an NCAA sport that they would that people are prepared to accept that and not really j jump up and down and scream the way rugby people do? Well, you know, again, um, it's kind of a, you kind of have to separate it between NCAA and non-NCAA because, again, teams that compete in the NCAA are going to have to compete under the NCAA's rules and, under the, and follow the NCAA's calendar. We won't really, you know, once you become an NCAA, an NCAA sport, NCAA team, you know, you're pretty much out from under our umbrella. Um, you know, USA Basketball doesn't set uh, the college basketball schedule for the NCAA. You know, USA Hockey doesn't set the hockey schedule for the NCAA. You know, so I don't know that, you know, we would determine our championships for teams that compete through the USA Rugby system on the women's side. Uh, but the NCAA will determine when the NCAA will hold their championships on that side. And that doesn't impact the men, obviously, because we're, we're talking about right now, we're specifically talking about women's rugby.
So they, the, what they do is what you probably need to do with the Sevens Championship, which is set the schedule and say, this is where the championship is. Are you able to show up? Fine, because if you, if you try to change everything, just like with the Sevens, if you try to change things for the teams that didn't show up or, 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 or aren't able to go, you're going to have a whole bunch of other people say they aren't able to go. So you may well, as well just set the set the schedule and let it you know, fall. It, it kind of, again, it just kind of depends where where the where the event falls. I mean, I, I think that there's an optimal date that works for you know probably 98 percent of the teams out there. Um, this probably isn't that date, but again, that's something we'll have to look at when we get done. Um, but I don't know that uh, you know. I, I guess what I would say is that. You know, whenever you put, you know, launch a new event like this, we want to we want to try and have as little impact as possible on everything else that's going on, be it 15s or be it other, you know, be it 15s or other sevens events. Um, um, so you've got a very limited window that you can work with, unless you want to go in and totally rework everything. And I'm not sure that that would that's the route we want to go. Uh, one last question about the uh, the NCAA thing we're talking about here. Yeah. How you know how far are we? I'm not asking you to give me a date. Um, I'm yeah. not going to hold you to a date. But how far are we from getting a women's NCAA championship? Well, I mean, we've got to hit certain benchmark numbers within the next few years uh, to hold a championship event. You've got to have either. Make sure I've got these numbers right off the top of my head here. It's 40 teams total to hold a single championship, all division championship or 28 teams in one division to hold a single division championship. So if you had 40 varsity teams across all three NCAA divisions, you could hold a single class, essentially, or single division championship. And if you had 28 teams at the Division One or Division Two or Division Three level, you could hold a championship at that level, at that within that division. What, um... We have five varsity teams right now. Uh, we want to get to 10 by the end of, by the end of 2012. Um, uh, we've got already right now half of the women's teams in the Pac-12 have either begun or are in the process of starting uh, the process to request varsity status within their university. Uh, there's, uh, I believe, three teams in the Ivy League doing the same thing. Uh, so you're kind of what you're what you're really seeing is programs in you know parts of the country that are pretty that are pretty much rugby strongholds. Um, you know they're beginning to try and make that move, and that that's I think what you would expect. That okay, if that's where all the rugby players are, those are the that's the most likely place where you're going to see varsity programs start to pop up. If we were going to look at turning channels for the men, yeah, there's some exciting developments in in you know the college premier division or Division One A has has changed mm-hmm. a bit, and and the um. And and so has the the other regional competitions for Division One, One Double A, and Division Two and Three. Could you just give us the uh, the Reader's Digest version of exactly what's happening, or is it still in the process of happening? Well, the, the you know the One A competition, um, you know we're we're going to be at 26 teams this year, obviously, and we you know announced who the teams are and what's schedule looking like and all that. Um, you know the big the big focus right now is the restructuring at the one double a d two and d three levels uh, the one double a guys moved into the conference structure for this competitive cycle um, you know we're, we're seeing some pretty good things already as far as people getting organized at a local level uh, you know the next step will be the division two guys uh, next fall 
as well as uh, on the women's side, we're looking at uh, moving the women fully into a conference structure starting in the fall of 2012 as well. Um, you know, what we're seeing, and this is kind of the big thing, is that you now have teams that are moving into a system that focuses solely on college rugby at the local level. And given that conferences are roughly, you know, anywhere from seven to, to 12 teams in size, it, it also fosters a more close-knit local community, which, you know, should and could encourage better exchange of ideas uh, within your conference. And, you know, the next step is to integrate the D2 men in and, and, the, and the women as well. Um, you know, and the, the one good thing we are, the other, one, one other good thing that we are seeing is the 1AA conferences that are formed in some areas, they're reaching out to the Division II schools to help them get organized and look at ways that they can share administrative resources to make things easier for the D2 schools, which is good to see. You know, those are, this is the, those are the types of things we'd like to see locally, this grassroots type of work where, you know, folks are focusing solely on the college game and people that understand and, and work or volunteer at the college level are being given the opportunity to be decision makers specifically for college rugby in their area. You know, that's, that's kind of the underlying goal of this whole thing is to give, you know, college folks a to say in anything that's going on, it has to do with college rugby. Yeah. Now, apparently there's $250,000 of money, which is probably about what the, um, it's about what the, the college premier, the, the um, Division One A schools would pay in SIP and insurance and, and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what, is, first off, is, is the Division One A um, group going to get a grant of using that? B, how are they going to use it? And C, is the money coming essentially a give back of their SIP, or is it coming from somewhere else? It, the, well, the, the answer to A is yeah, is yes. Um, the answer to B is, you know, we. This is a joint uh, venture between our office and the, and the teams that are in it. So the, you know, the, the teams themselves are having a say in how we allocate that money. Um, it is essentially the two hundred fifty dollars is coming out of partly out of the HP department and partly out of the college department. Um, but as far as specifically, you know, is it, are we taking money specifically from one school and it's going right in that, in that pocket? I, mean, I can't say accounting-wise how that all works, but it's a joint uh, share, I guess it's a share between the college department and the high-performance department as far as that goes. But as far as how the money is actually dispersed, used within the competition, that's a discussion that's going on between us and the, and the teams that are competing at that level. Is there any possibility that it could be used for a six to eight week all American tour, or is that completely off the table to do that? Well, I mean, that's you know, the all Americans are, are a separate uh, entity from this competition. So, I mean, this money's earmarked for the, this competition specifically. I can't really speak to what high performance high performance is going to be doing with uh, with the all Americans. That's not really part of my my scope do todd do you have an input or do you have an opinion as to what you think should that money should be used for within the competition you mean yeah um yeah i do but i, I just I, i'm going to keep i'm going to keep that within, <laughs> okay. within our group that's kind of an internal deal at this point we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back on rugby matrix america with todd bell Head of Collegiate Rugby for USA Rugby. Stay tuned. Hey, fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, 
stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots. Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. Hey, don't forget, the biggest rugby party in the USA is slated for February 10th through 12th, 2012 in Las Vegas, Nevada. The USA 7's International Rugby Tournament brings the United States and 15 other top International 7s teams to the American Stop on the World Series circuit. It's three days of thrilling action. Go to USA7s.com for details and great hotel and ticket packages. And if you're a player, the Las Vegas Invitational is where you can play rugby before seeing the USA 7s. Presented by Stations Casinos, the LVI is the biggest tournament in the country and offers sevens and fifteens playing opportunities for all levels. Go to LVIRugby.com for details on how to sign up and get great USA Sevens deals and special rates on Stations Casinos Hotels. Once again, go to LVIRugby.com for details. And we're back on Rugby Matrix America with Todd Bell. And Todd? What about the D1A final? Uh, I, I think yeah. it was a pretty successful thing last year. Over 10,000 fans. Obviously, some of them were drawn by the, the Highland United final, but but there yeah. certainly were more fans to see Cal BYU than there were seeing Highland United. Um, the, you want to build on that? Is that is that a USA Rugby potential profit-making uh, venture, or is that something you you get someone else to work on? And do you, you know, what are the plans well, I mean, on that I, kind of thing? You know, Obviously, like the, you'd like to be able to clear a little money off of something like that. I mean, the big thing is we want to put that championship in a venue that's going to draw a good crowd, that's going to feel like, you know, and I, I tend to look at things like, okay, what is going to be a great opportunity for the guys who are on the field? You know, you want it to feel like, like an NCAA championship, even though it's not. And there are ways you can do it. And one of the ways you can do it is playing in a professional stadium like that where, I mean, you know, guys are coming out of a tunnel and there's, you know, thousands of people, uh, you know, watching the game and they're playing under the lights. I mean, you want it to be a, you want it to feel like an NCAA event. And, you know, that's the kind of environment we want to put that event in. Uh, you know, frankly, that's, we'd like to have a, on a smaller scale, we'd like to have a similar environment for the, for the other college championships. I mean, it, should, it shouldn't feel like another game when you get to that point in the season. I mean, you should be playing in an environment that, that tells you, okay, this is pretty special. One of the things, one of the other aspects to that, and also circling back around to the the sevens championship, is television. Yeah. Um, and and fans, they they kind of been jerked around because they they had a you know the National Guard game of the week for a while, and then that disappeared. Obviously, the National Guard sponsorship left, um, but. Sometimes uh, we've had college games on ESPN, and sometimes we're watching on webcast from a from yeah. a field where the internet connection is so bad you really don't, you can't see the game. It's it's mm-hmm. frustrating to see the the up and down of of the quality level, uh, and, and certainly I, I would imagine you'd want all these games on television. That's very difficult to do. What's the process for getting, uh, you know, live coverage of these types of big events? Well, I, you know, it's it's kind of a, a chicken or the egg thing with with television. You know, you want to give TV a good environment to, to broadcast from, but you also want to have you know an event that's worthy of putting on TV. Um, you know, unfortunately, in this day and age, you almost have to do something and, and prove that okay, this is we've got an event that's worthy of being on TV before you can get it on. Um, you know, we were fortunate with the with the one A competition with the CPD. Last year, that ESPN was willing to step up and air the semifinals and the finals uh, for us. Um, 
the seven's a little different animal. You know, it, it's uh, just because of the nature of the competition with it being a tournament and you're sometimes using multiple fields and that type of thing. Uh, obviously, our goal is to get it on TV. Uh, you know, because again, it's you want the event to be special for the for the the guys, the, the men and the women that are that are competing in it. Um, you know, whether it happens the first year, you know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But you know, again, that goes back to you know evaluating what we've got when we get done at the end of at the end of this uh, tournament and kind of looking looking to the future. But yeah, we we want to have it on TV, of course. Todd, I know you got to run, so I'll kind of ask this, and and hopefully the guys are able to be kind of be in the parting shot. But this is a more of a gen- general question. Um, it's yeah. a two-parter, kind of what we don't know yet because we haven't you know talked to you all that much, and 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 mm-hmm. kind of what is your role? We know you're the director of collegiate rugby. Are you the yeah. are you the commissioner of the D1A? Are you overseeing everything? Kind of what is your role? And then within that, um, after we know what your role is, what are your goals? What are the things that you'd like to see accomplished and are on your to-do list over the the short and, 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 you know, upcoming long-term. Well, again, it kind of goes back to what I said at the start, you know, when you, when you take on something that's new or launch something that's new, there's, you know, you've got a lot to learn, whether you have experience in that, in the particular area that you're working on to begin with. Um, you know, this first year and a half has been, been very interesting and very challenging in a lot of ways, but in a good way. Um, you know, right now I'm a one man department. So I'm, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm overseeing the uh, the 1A competition, the the uh, women's initiative, uh, the restructuring. Uh, I've you know championships really handles the operation of our college championships and even the sevens event. But you know I'm obviously working with both of our competitions committees and our college eligibility committee as well as the management council and the uh, uh, the 1A uh, board of directors, which is essentially the coaches for each of the teams. Um, so I'm I'm kind of wearing I guess I'm kind of wearing a lot of hats. Um, you know, I guess if to put it in, you know, a 30 second soundbite, you know, the ultimate goal for what we're doing here is to create a system and a, a college competition that looks like a college competition. I mean, you don't have to be varsity to act varsity. You don't have to be varsity programs to have the opportunity to compete in an NCAA style championship, even if it's not run by the NCAA. Um, you know, that raises those types of things raises your it helps raise your visibility both um, in the sporting world and on campus. Uh, you know, if teams know they're going to be competing in events that are that are run at a, a certain standard, you know, you expect that they would raise their level of organization to that standard as well. And that's what we're trying to get to. I mean, we're not there yet. We've got a lot of work to do, but that's the ultimate goal. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we want the men and the women that are playing college rugby to feel like they're competing in a varsity environment, even though they're not, you know, right now it's a club environment, but again, there are things you can do, you know, to conduct yourselves and operate like a varsity program or a varsity competition. And that's what we're trying to get to, you know, how long that's going to take. I don't know, but that's, that's the goal. I mean, we're, we're the, at, at the moment, I believe we're the, the only Olympic team sport that, uh, that's, that's played, nationally like this that is not also an NCAA championship sport. So we're trying to operate. We want to get to the point where we operate like an NCAA sport because this is the high, if you want to compete in college rugby, this is the highest level you can aspire to at the moment. So it's up to us to make sure that the men and the women that are coming into the game have the opportunity to compete in a, as close to a varsity environment as possible. 
All right. Well, Todd Bell, I know you got to run. We really appreciate you taking the time, uh, a little bit extra time than we expected, which was good. Uh, Todd Bell, yeah. uh, Director of Collegiate Rugby for USA Rugby, really appreciate you taking the time, and thanks a lot. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate it, guys. And I'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Well, that was Todd Bell from USA Rugby, heads up the uh, collegiate uh, effort. And uh, as he said, he's really he, he heads up an office of one person. Guys, what did you think? Very informative. Um, glad to talk to him. Haven't heard his voice in a while. Um, and so, you know, I think we got a little bit of a picture of what his goal is, what his mission statement is. He wants to make this thing look as professional as he can and and, and more like an NCAA um uh, you know, operation, and I, I think that we kind of all could have guessed that, but it's nice to hear from him that that's kind of what he wants to do. And he also confirmed our suspicions that he's, you know, one man in charge of the second largest uh, part of our game. Um, and then perhaps when we have complaints about college rugby, we have to keep that in mind. Uh, me chiefly uh, on that list. <laughs> it is a tough job, uh, and and I think uh, Bruce one of the things that really came up was about the scheduling. You've mentioned the scheduling on the sevens. I think he's pretty much acknowledged that, that this mid December time will not be repeated. It can't be repeated. You know what? I, I think that, I think that he was very, um, that he was very good and, and he, he informed us on a lot of things. And, and, and the fact is it's very difficult to herd cats. And you're talking about between men's and women's collegiate sports, you're talking about, you know, four to 500 teams, maybe more. And you're talking about people who will run as professionally as Cal and St. Mary's and Kutztown and BYU and Utah and, and the, and the division one, a schools. And you're talking about teams that are run by students who never played the game before showing up. And, 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 and it's very difficult to keep everyone happy. And, you know, and, you know, I think that his goal of providing a, a competition that is meaningful and looks meaningful that's that's a that's a big part of it is great and then you know and last year and I know that you said that the Highland United game and when I was there as well with you I I thought that that entire stadium was essentially filled with BYU fans yeah. and people who came there primarily to see the college premier division final and that was the marquee event and you know, if there was a thousand fans at the Highland game, there was another ten thousand who showed up for the other. Yes, yes, I agree. So, uh, some quick highlights of this uh, of this interview because I, just sort of to summarize this: number one, varsity women's rugby, they're making a push for it. They need forty teams total. Uh, that is across all divisions, and that's probably what they're going to have to do because the varsity ones that are that are in existence right now cover different different divisions so it's much easier to do that actually than 28 in one division but we've heard that before we've heard that it's going to happen it's going to happen it's going to happen we've heard that before but that's what they're targeting they've got five and they need a lot more and but there is a push and the the olympic status helps that so that is moving forward how quickly moving forward we don't know number two the seventh championship most likely will not be mid-December. Next time, it'll be moved. We don't know where it'll be moved. There's pushes to have it, um, as Bruce said, before Thanksgiving, just sometime in November. Just make your seventh season be, say, September, October. Um, there's push, you know, talk about having it in February. There's talk about making a spring season uh, where the CRC is in June. So 
people will talk about that, but it's probably not going to be during finals in December. And number three, the $250,000 for the D1A, the, the Premier Division men's competition. Part of that is high performance, and that makes sense because if you look at uh, the U.S. men's national teams, uh, a large percentage of their players come from the top college programs. Not all of them, certainly, but a large percentage. So some money from that and some money, I believe, from membership is going to be used to help fund that competition. Uh, Todd Bell didn't say what it would be used to fund, but you know, if, if I were looking at something, I'd be looking at a travel subsidy on, on semifinals and quarterfinals, things like that, uh, because traveling from San Francisco to Jonesboro, Arkansas is not easy and not cheap. Those are those are three of the uh, the highlights that I and uh, I, I don't know if I missed any that you guys also thought were, were worth uh, highlighting. Well, he talked a little bit about the restructure and, and how it's going. And, and you know, the, that was the first I'd heard that the women are planning to – he's planning to move the women into the conference structure in the fall of 2012. I hadn't heard that yet. Um, and uh, Division One women, I would assume, is, is the only one they're going to do. Um, Division Two would be very hard-pressed, I think, to, to put into that. So I think that's something interesting and new that came out of it. And um, – I think you look at that and you look at the Division Two men and the way that they're supposed to be going into a conference structure. Uh, I think you, it could be, um, you know, I don't want to say, you know, eye-opening, but it could be very interesting to see how it works out um, with, with with those teams because there are still a whole lot of Division Two teams in the United States that have not found their way into a conference. But uh, that's a, another topic for another day. But I, that, that tidbit about the women is definitely interesting. And that will wrap it up. It was a short show, but it had a lot of content, so we're very excited about that. And we hope you enjoyed it and got a lot out of it, too. Thanks to Todd Bell for taking the time to talk to us. And thanks, as always, to the listeners. For Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton, this is RugbyMag.com's Alex Goff saying thanks for listening to Rugamatrix America. Matrix America.